welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number two of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Sean McCormick, affectionately known as the Poker Boss. Sean was the 2016 American Poker Award winner for Industry Person of the Year, best known for being director of poker operations at the Aria Hotel Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Sean is one of the poker's top industry personalities, and today we're all going to get to know him a little bit better. Sean, welcome to Cards Chat, and thanks so much for joining us today. Robbie, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Uh, so uh, for, before we get into the all about me, how have you been, Robbie? Let's let, let me get my one question for you. How have you been? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, focusing on uh, on working hard and uh, and all of my blessings, of which I have many. It's very kind of you to ask. Uh, you know, family work, you know, thankfully things are going well. And I think uh, just, you know, the right kind of attitude and, and focusing on what's going well, uh, you know, can really carry a person through any sort of troubles. So, uh, you know, that that's what I'm trying to do. And, and I appreciate you asking. Thank you very much. Sean. I, I couldn't agree more. The power of positivity can uh, can get us through so much. So I'm really happy to be here and I'm really happy to, you know, get my positive message out there and, uh, Tell the tell the people listening more about myself and what I do. So fantastic. Okay, so um, according to our crack research team, we see that your first job in the poker industry was as a dealer in the Daytona Beach Kennel Club down in Florida. So first of all, is our research team correct? Your research team is uh, is one hundred percent correct. That Brilliant. was my first job uh, in the industry. Uh, I had been playing poker for. A long time before that, uh, even with my father, uh, before he passed, we played a lot of card games. My dad, we grew up on the East Coast and on the East Coast, uh, seven card stud was king. And it still kind of uh, still has a, a foothold there. And uh, that's how I, I got into poker. And then eventually uh, through some friends, ended up learning about actually dealing poker in my early, uh, early to mid 20s. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. Right. And, and you started this job, uh, at least from what, I, what we're seeing, in the summer of 2003, which is just after Chris Moneymaker won the World Series main event. So m many people got into poker at that time, but they typically became players. So I'm wondering, what is it that drew you sort of to the quote unquote other side to become a dealer? Uh, that is a, a fascinating question, actually. Um, I, I think the majority of us that got into the industry especially in the um the the boom era the the money maker era um we all had the dream of being on the side of the table that most uh go down this avenue with which is playing and 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 don't take away from the fact that uh you know me getting in the business didn't definitely um went hand in hand at first with me playing as well so it was it was pretty 50-50 in the beginning, which means I was putting in a lot of hours, not only on one side of the table, but taking that knowledge from watching a lot of hands mm -hmm. and, um, you know, watching how players react to different hands and how they play certain hands to uh, use that with my skill set with playing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever aspired to truly go professional with uh, playing poker, but it was definitely something that was fun and could supplement a little bit of my income when mm -hmm. I was younger. 
And then, uh, you know, just, just, I've always been a people person and, Mm. um, just, I, I enjoyed dealing to people and watching people go through the, the multitudes of emotions and whether they're playing for fun or whether they're playing professionally, just being around people uh, playing the game that I love. So that's where the love for working in poker actually um, really developed is once I really sat in the box and uh, started dealing poker, I was like, wow, I'm going to be in this industry for some time. Uh, And again, it's been just a fantastic ride so far. That's really cool. So I'm wondering though, so that's like 2003, but when you were growing up and and, and a teenager and early life, that sort of thing, I, I don't know if you said it to yourself, hey, I want to be a poker dealer someday. Like, is there something that perhaps you had envisioned yourself doing, you know, going off to college or, or whatever it is, and then any other sort of career before sort of poker came and then stole you away? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so growing up in, you know, my my adolescent teen years, um, going through like the computer boom era, like in the 90s. Ooh. Computers definitely drew me in. I, I I was actually telling this story not too long ago. I actually wrote my first program when I was about seven years old on oh, wow. a, on a, on an Atari four hundred, which most people don't even know what an Atari four hundred is. Everybody <laughs> had the twenty six hundred with the cartridges and stuff. The Atari four hundred was cool. It looked like a computer, um, and it had a keyboard, and you could write in BASIC, and it was really cool. Um, and it it drew me in, like just the whole technology. Uh, age and the technology era. And uh, I actually went to school for uh, computer engineering, did that for a couple of years. And when I found poker, it kind of drew me away from that because uh-huh. I started to realize more and more, again, how much of a people person I am and how interacting with people on a daily basis um, is just is just in my DNA. Um, I'm a complete extrovert. I love being out and about. Um, not that I can't and don't enjoy my nights in with my dogs and my wife and a quiet <laughs> evening. I do love those things, uh, uh-huh. especially as I get older. I love those things even more. But uh, just just being around people all the time is just mixing that with poker, the game that I love. I just knew. I just knew right away. It was just everybody talks about that light bulb moment, that spark. Um, and in 2003, I don't, I don't want to say in 2003, I exactly knew poker was, you know, I was going to be director of poker operations one day, but I definitely knew it was something I wanted to be involved with for a very long time. Hmm. Well, that, that actually leads into my next question in a way, because you've been doing, you know, you did for three, three and a half years, you were as a dealer and then you sort of get called up to the big leagues and then you make the move to the Bellagio in Las Vegas. So I'm wondering you know, when you were in Florida in the box, did you sort of say maybe have aspirations of, of making, you know, making it to Vegas at some point? Absolutely. So I, uh, when I was dealing in Florida, I didn't know for sure that I was going to move to Vegas. I had already moved. I was a, I was a kid from uh, a pretty small city outside of Boston. And I had already made a big move in uh, early 2002 to move to Florida. And mm-hmm. then um after I got into poker, I was I was in Florida, and Florida is a very interesting state in uh, in in our country here, and uh, it definitely pulls more of a younger crowd. It's it's like either a very young crowd or a retirement crowd, just because right. the weather is really good, and we have beaches down there. So you either have retirees or a very it seemed like a very very young crowd uh-huh. um, in their early to mid twenties, and it was something that I enjoyed. I, I was very much into. 
uh, going out in the nightlife um, industry and stuff like that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed those things. But it wasn't until I, uh, and I believe this was the, uh, it was January of 2006. Mm -hmm. I, a friend of mine said, hey, we should go work a world poker tour event. And I kind of laughed and I was like, that's something you see on TV because, you know, I was I was ignorant to the fact that people just went on the road and were poker dealers doing these things. I was like, ah, they have like some people locally that do that. That's not a real thing. Um, and uh, again, it was just my ignorance to the fact that dealers actually traveled around the country and mm -hmm. the world at this time. I mean, I knew people that were doing the Irish Open and traveling to France to do this Open and, and, and uh, Great Britain and a lot of other places. To, to, to be dealers. Again, I found these things out after the fact, but um, yeah, it was in uh, January 2006. I did the WPO, which was a WPT event at the uh, in uh, Tunica, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And that's where I actually ran into people from the Bellagio. Uh, huh. the, gold, the gold strike in Mississippi is actually owned by MGM Resorts International, which does also own Bellagio. Right. And at the time, these WPT events were so massive so you had these these smaller casinos, these what we call regional casinos that had like, you know, they'd have 10 or 12 tables and then they would explode for an event where they open up these big ballroom spaces and drop in 150 tables. Wow. So they they needed assistance, obviously, to run these these tournaments. And sure enough, the Bellagio crew, uh, the tournament crew, uh, even the director of poker operations at the time, um, Doug Dalton. Traveled. Mm -hmm. Jack McClellan, the director of tournament operation, they traveled wow. to some of these events to assist, uh, not just domestically, but also internationally. And uh, I, 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 I caught the eye of a couple people that worked for the Bellagio at the time. I, I you know, I've, I've always told people I, I take poker dealing and being in the poker industry as not just a job, but a craft. And I, right. I, I, I continue to hone that craft. And again, I caught the eye of a couple people that said, "Hey." You're a good dealer. And not just that, you look like you're really engaged with the game. If you're ever in Las Vegas and you uh, need a job, hey, look us up. And sure wow, enough. Wow. What uh, a cool thing to hear. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, and, I, thing. and again, I was, I, I believe 2006, I would have been, uh, what is that? Uh, I'm trying to do some math here. Without, I think I was 25 ish. You, say you so. would have been 14 years younger. That's what you <laughs> Yes. 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 So, um, so at the time, like I said, I, uh, I went back to Florida and I didn't think twice of it too much, but here's where the story gets really interesting. And Robbie, by all means, if I'm getting long-winded, cut me off. But, oh, you're good. Uh, this is fascinating stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, at the, at, I went back home dealing in Florida, just doing my thing. And a friend of mine, we, we were um, both poker dealers and we were talking one day and he, he was like, hey man, we should just up and move to Las Vegas. And this is something you do when you're a younger kid and you're just like the whole world is is your oyster and in front sure. of you, you take those big risks. And I'm not saying that when you're in your 30s and 40s or even your 50s, you shouldn't be taking these risks. If you have a feeling in your heart that this is something you want, you just have to go for it yeah. um, because regret and looking back will always haunt you more than taking a chance and failing. So yeah, what if, right. For sure. the, the what if will drive you nuts more than the actual taking a risk and failing. So I, I, I try to inspire people by telling them that all the time that, you know, life is full of risk and it's calculated risk. Don't, don't take all the risks in the world, but if you want something, you have to, you have to go after it. So 
Um, my buddy was like, hey, let's move to Vegas. And I kid you not, this was three o'clock in the afternoon on, on a random day. I can't tell you what day of the week it even was. but um, And I told him, okay, I'll come by your house at midnight tonight. Nine hours later, Robbie, nine hours. Who does this? And I said, if you're ready to go, be ready at uh, midnight and we'll hit the road when it's dark out while the roads are, are clear and we'll, we'll, we'll travel to Vegas. And you're talking. Oh, my God. You drove 20, there. 2,100 miles. Oh, and wow. sure enough, I come to his house. Um, I honk my horn and he comes out holding two suitcases in his hands and says, let's go. And That's I'll tell you, Robbie, unbelievable. I wow. never looked. I never looked back. I, I did. I will. I will say that I did drive there and I, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, not my wife. So I, I had a girlfriend at the time in Florida and I told her I will, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to see what it's about. It was, uh, I do remember that it was March when I came out. Um, and I ended up leaving my car there, getting a lease on a, a, a an apartment and I Flew back to Florida and did the drive again with her car <laughs> and all the stuff that we packed up. And again, as wow. as kids, I think I think I looked at my apartment in Florida and said, I just wrote him a check and said, here, right. here's for my, you know, to break my lease. And we just left. We wow. just left. And sure enough, uh, when I got to Vegas, um, it ended up being May of 2006 now. Uh, by the time I had come to Vegas, flown back, drove back again after, you know, uh, taking care of all my obligations in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went right into playing poker. Um, and then uh, I actually dealt my only year ever dealing. Uh, I dealt in 2006. I dealt the World Series of Poker that year. Uh, and then after the World Series, I played for a couple more months. And then sure enough, I went to the Bellagio right before they did their big WPT event. And they hired me, and I've worked for the company ever since. Unbelievable. That's an amazing story because, you know, what, what I think is interesting, at least to, definitely to me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure to the Cards Chat community as well, we often hear stories of this nature from poker players, but not necessarily on the industry side of things. And it's certainly very interesting uh, to hear that. And you said, you know, you've been working for that company, you know, the MGM Resorts uh, company ever since. You spent, I believe, nine years or so altogether at the Bellagio. And, you know, we, we've looked, yeah, like I said, that crack research team. You started as a dealer, you moved on to shift manager, and then you became the poker room manager. So nine years, that's a long time to spend at the Bellagio. I'm wondering, what are some of your best memories from that time there? Man, Bellagio is definitely the, um, I, I, I've always said this, as long as Bellagio has those fountains up front, and they're the, <laughs> one of the most recognized properties, not just in Las Vegas, but it's the most, one of the most iconic properties in the world. Sure. They will be the epicenter of Las Vegas. So I definitely have some great memories from, um, you know, all the big movie stars and celebrities and high roller players and, and poker celebrities. And there, there was just a lot of cool things that happened at Bellagio and now continue to happen at Aria, and I'm, I know I'm jumping my timeline here, but uh-huh. there's just so many cool memories from these two properties. It's hard to boil down some uh, some some key ones, but I, I will say uh, becoming the operations manager there and uh, my director at the time actually had retired. So I was actually running the room and oh. I believe it was 2012, I ran my first WPT event. Um, and I, I, I can tell you, I, I know someone, someone actually approached me and I know this, this interview is still on YouTube. 
Um, it was me and Janine Deeb, who she's even uh-huh. moved on from uh, the poker industry. She doesn't work for WPT anymore. She's doing a lot of great, fantastic things in her life. But there's an interview of us on, um, I believe she worked for Poker News at the time. And um, she uh, we did an interview in, uh, um, uh, in the Bellagio Poker Room. And this baby-faced kid, no facial hair, no beard, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, probably 50 pounds lighter than I am now. Just, I, I couldn't help but stare into the camera, even though I know you're not supposed to look directly into the camera for interviews. You look at the interview, but it's the most nerve-wracking thing. And it was just an amazing, amazing time in my life to not only be able to say that I ran one of the biggest events in the world um, and kudos to the team I had at the time. I couldn't have done any of that without them. But just to look back on that and say, what a great accomplishment that was, but how great it was, how much I learned to be in a spot that I am today to, to be able to, to move Aria Poker Room into, you know, whatever the next thing for us is. And obviously, we're in a very unique spot in our, our, our world right now where everything is fluid and day by day. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I will say one thing. I, I, one thing I thought was really cool to be a part of at Bellagio um, was being part of uh, the Unabomber, uh, going oh. for the, the record of um, uh, most hours played at the table. And I can't remember what it was. I, yeah, it was, I'll tell you, it was 115 100- hours. That's Phil Locke. He did it Phil consecutive Locke, yeah. hours. Yeah. He's, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, Phil is such a great guy. And that was such a cool experience watching him do that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, and we actually have a guy now who wants to beat it, doing it at Aria. So he's been working. I think he's got up to like 94 hours at this point. Um, I don't know how you get to 94 and stop at that point. But, um, <laughs> I think he's had some really, really long sessions. I couldn't do it. My longest session ever. Um, again, the, the, I was really young, was 44 hours. Um, and of all places of Bally's Las Vegas, it was awesome, though. Uh, played one three, no limit. That's and the real I, grind. That's that, was, sure. that was the real grind. I left the table. I told everybody I left the table for 30 minutes to run to my room take a shower, just wipe my face off because you're so just drained mentally. Um, and obviously a mental drain leads to a physical drain. And I just, I, I, I ran up and it came back down and all in all, it was a, you know, I don't know what my hourly rate would be uh, on that. I think I was 2,500 winners. So, oh. uh, so at $56 an hour hourly rate, you know, and for a kid that's, in his twenties, I, I I felt like I was uh I felt like I was Bill Gates out there. <laughs> I I do think that the most important lesson we can always take from that is always shower, folks. When going to a poker room, no matter how long your session is, take your time and go and have a shower. I think that's something everyone appreciates. Uh, and you know, it's difficult sometimes if you don't know Sean, you've never seen him, a picture of him. Uh, you know, especially here on a podcast, you can only listen, but. You know, if that's what Sean was capable of grind wise as a poker player, as well as as a, you know, running the operation at Bellagio, uh, you know, as a young, clean faced, 50 pounds lighter, like it's not 50 pounds of gut. This guy is a buff dude. You know, this guy is a, a rock. And you've got, you know, that, I wonder what Sean is, is capable now, capable of now. So <laughs> definitely to, to bring the imagery there for you. Hey, um, if, if- if my knees hold up, I can I can do a lot, but the knees are starting <laughs> to go, buddy. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Sean, perhaps you can share with us some of the of the lessons maybe that you learned while you were working your way up the ladder uh, at Bellagio. Ooh. Um, so 
I would say the biggest lesson I, I, I learned and um, I continue to try to teach and also continue to learn myself is just be engaged with, with whatever it is you do. Have passion for what you do and continue to learn your craft. Um, <clears throat> I tell dealers that have been dealing for 20 years, um, when I was a dealer and I had been a dealer for, I'd say about seven, eight years before I actually pulled the suit off. That didn't mean that I stopped learning how to deal. That doesn't mean that I didn't take an active interest, especially in games like, yeah, I can teach someone to deal holding pretty well. Um, I can take someone off the street and teach them how to do the math and PLO and teach them how to deal pretty well. But that's two games. And yes, those are the two most popular games. But rooms like Bellagio and Aria, we spread 30 to 50 different styles of games. And I tell people all the time, don't get upset when when you don't deal a game for you know, three, four weeks, and then you're called upon to deal it and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm just a little rusty. Don't get to that rusty point. Continue to be engaged. Continue to learn the different variants of Dramaha. Even if you, your local casino doesn't deal it, you might be called upon one day to deal that. Uh, learn Archie. Learn, practice your stud pitch. Hell, sometimes even for fun now, and I don't even deal anymore, I'll put a shoebox out in front of my TV, and I'll have a random deck of cards in my hand, and I'll just pitch into the shoebox because who knows? One day I might be a dealer again. You know, I, uh, I wow, that's dedication. <laughs> yeah, and I tell people all the time, like I, I, I say this jovially and 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 jest, but I, I really do believe one day, like my retirement plan will be to find a poker table that I can pop on a beach somewhere and just have nine people ante up at the table, and I'll be your dealer while we, you know, share great stories and stuff like that. I wouldn't do it for the money, but I do it for just the passion of the game and. uh you know, I, I just find your passion and continue to be passionate about whatever your craft is and you will go so, so far. Oh, man, I love it. And, and I, I got to admit, again, you can't see me, folks, behind the microphone here, but I've been smiling for the last few minutes because that's just a great message. And I, I hope all of you out there are listening to this and smiling as well, because first of all, I love the dedication, love the passion, and what a great message to send you to never sitting on your laurels, constantly learning, improving, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, getting better at, at your craft, like you said. Um, well, Sean, you did mention, of course, uh, that you you made that move from Bellagio over to Aria, you know, close to five years ago. Uh, your title there, love the title, man. Like, who wouldn't want a title like this? Director of Poker Operations, and of course, you're known as the Poker Boss. So, first of all, what was the catalyst to make the move from Bellagio over to Aria? And then, what what exactly is the role of, of being the the Director of Poker Operations? So in 2015, um, uh, Aria went through, and, and a, a lot of people know this, Aria went through a bit of a shakeup. Um, there were a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. Um, and the, 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 the president at the time, Bobby Baldwin, wanted to take the poker room in a different direction. So um, the vice president of table games, which is generally most casinos, um, have a position. Obviously, there's always going to be a position above everybody, but uh, most times poker room managers or poker directors usually report to either the vice president of table games or to the president of the company. Um, in, in my case, I do report to our vice president of table games. And mm -hmm. the one that hired me at the time, he has retired. Um, he had a great career, great guy, and I wish him all the best. Um, but in because 2000... Can we get a shout out? Uh, yes, his name is Gary Sanoff. 
Great. And okay. uh, he's probably he's definitely top five best people I've ever worked for in my life. The guy uh-huh. just, uh, you know, you, you just he just was so passionate about the casino industry and uh, passionate about people and, and, and wanting to not only prosper his own career, but more importantly, and I, I take this to heart myself, wanting the people around you to prosper even more so than myself. I, I love building up my team. I love seeing them grow. I love seeing guys like Paul Campbell just win awards like tournament director of the year. I mean, I just love building up my team. But um, and I, I I know we have plenty of time for me to shout out all my guys. So um, but going back to 2015, yeah, the room just took a different direction. And uh, I was at the time over at Bellagio running uh, operations there. And Mr. Baldwin had known uh, about me from there. Bobby was obviously the president of Bellagio at one point and knew about my work over there and had asked uh, Mr. Sanoff at the time. He said, hey, I want to take the room in a different direction. I need a new director, a poker operation. Who you got? And he says, I got the perfect guy for you. I got the guy who's got more passion in this industry than anybody I've seen. And um, he he's ready and willing to go. So when he, <laughs> I'll stop right there real quick and say, when he said I was ready, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I was a nervous wreck, even though I kind of was being groomed in that position, that operations manager position to become a, a, a full-fledged poker room manager or director. And, and um, you're not green. You'd been doing this for well over a decade at this point, you know, working in the industry. Yeah. Absolutely. But like I tell people all the time, there is a big, huge difference when you take over the captain's chair. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's it's one thing to be Will Riker. It's another thing to be Captain Picard. It's making hashtag those, Star Trek. Gotta love hashtag it. Star Trek. <laughs> um, making those decisions which fall on you uh, as the ultimate decision holder. It, it is it is nerve wracking in any in any industry. Um, so, uh, but of course, I was ready and I was hungry um, and I was passionate. I was ready to go. So, uh, sure enough, uh, Mr. Baldwin said, "Let's bring this kid over. Let's get him over. Let's." Let's let's show them the Aria way. Um, and there's I, I won't say there's monumental differences between Bellagio and Aria, but there are, uh, you know, subtle differences definitely between the rooms, um, you know, even between Bobby's room and, say, table one. Uh, we used yeah, to the call former it the ivory room, right? The former mm-hmm. ivory room. Um, there's a lot of subtle differences, even though we have a lot of players that cross play between the different rooms. But, yeah, I got the call up to the big leagues and uh, to the big chair. And uh, I'll tell you, um, we 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 have a tram that goes from Bellagio to Aria, and <laughs> my good stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my 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 initial, I, I won't say it was so much of an interview as more of a uh, you know just a one on one discussion of my philosophy for how I want to run the room and everything. I hop back on the tram to go back to Bellagio. I've never had palms so sweaty and just heart <laughs> racing so fast and. And, and and I knew it wasn't so much the nerves to say, hey, I'm I'm about to be, the, again, the captain of the ship, but so much that I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a staff of 200 plus people looking towards me every day for guidance and leadership. Am I ready? And I think I hope that people believe this far in five, almost five years in that not only was I willing to take the call, but I was able to take and stand up and take that call and and. uh I think the room has gone in a fantastic direction. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, going back to our, our previous question, uh, we're not resting on our laurels. Uh, yep. Aria Poker, we're, wherever we are today, we want to be better tomorrow. And, and we want to be better next week, next month, next year. And uh, 
I, I, that message I drive home to my staff. And if they buy in, which they have, then we all win. Awesome. And I, I can say from personal experience, having visited the Aria Poker Room numerous times, I personally think you're doing a great job. And I think also your, your story you've shared is it's very relatable. You know, it's yes, you see the poker balls he's gotten there and we, we've charted your career and how you've climbed that ladder. It, it doesn't happen overnight and it certainly doesn't happen by accident. It takes the drive, the dedication. And yeah, you're human at the end of the day and you have these interviews. We all go through those moments. And it's uh, fascinating to hear that story. Uh, I, I will say, uh, you know, yes, having visited Aria many times, there used to be a time, though, when I was a little intimidated to step foot in Aria, in the Bellagio, because I said, well, that's where all the pros play. That's where all the sharks play. It's high stakes. I'm going to get crushed. Forget it. I'm, I've got to go elsewhere. What would you say to someone who feels that way? Because I imagine that some out there in the Cards Chat community may may feel that way. So I, I, I will say that. For the majority of the Vegas market, um, we try to cater to whether you're a novice walking through the door or you're a seasoned pro. And Aria and Bellagio are no different. We, you know, of course, we spread uh, the uh, the lower limit games like most rooms do, the one threes and the two fives and the lower limit mixed games and the lower limit hold'em games and all that. We have a product. We have a niche for every person that comes to the door. And yes, I get that feeling of being intimidated. And, you know, you can, you could be playing and have $200 in front of you at Aria and then turn around and look at table one and see the likes of Bill Helmuth, Daniel Negreanu, uh, just big, huge, huge mega names uh, playing in the room. And the fantastic part about it is um, these guys, for the most part, will make you also feel at home in places like that. I've seen many times where these guys come out and say, hey, I was you. You can become me. And that goes for both sides of the table. When I tell these stories, I don't tell these stories to just tell people where I was and where I where I am now. I tell these stories so people realize that there is no UNLV program for, you know, uh, you can't get your master's in po running poker rooms. <laughs> a, a lot of what we do on the, in the industry from both sides of the table is from a passion-related standpoint where mm -hmm. if you do your research, you will get better. Everybody knows that the best players in the world are because they read the books, they put in the time, they they log their hours, they log their results, they uh, and they're honest. That's such a key thing with our industry. Again, from both sides of the table, be honest with yourself. If you have shortcomings and you don't like them, fix them. Do what you need to do. I have things all the time where, um, and, and people might find this even hard to believe, 20 years ago, public speaking for me was a no-no. Wow, really? No -no. That's a surprise. Even, I didn't know that. And a lot of people, it's very surprising. Again, with my extrovert attitude and my extrovert stance on a lot of things, people just assume that I'm just a natural public speaker and stuff like that. Um, still to this day in 2020, I, I, I still work on my public speaking. Because it's still, I still have issues from time to time where I get jumbled up with words or I get nervous. Um, I always say that, you know, uh, if thinking back on on the likes of like a Steve Jobs, that's how I see myself when I do, uh, like uh, when I'm addressing an audience of people. Uh, if I can walk around, have a microphone on my uh, on my ear, and I'm walking around on stage and I'm not reading from a script, I'm fantastic. 
Um, if I, if you tell me here, there's a script, stand at a podium and we need you to read this to even a size of like 30, I completely lose it. I become a different person. So I'm still <laughs> working on those things. Like if I have to read from a piece of paper, whether it's my words or yours, I get, I get caught up. I lose eye contact with the, I lose eye contact with the, uh, with the audience and that, that trips me up. Um, so those are things, those are my shortcomings that I still work on. And trust me, there are more. I, every day I go into to, to the room, I go into my office and say, how can I better myself today? And I have, uh, I have my, 10, uh, my top 10 reminders on my wall of how I can better myself. Um, and, and well, that reminds me of Phil Helmuth looking in the mirror at his, at his list of, of affirmations and stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been doing that for, um, I've been doing that now for at least 10 years. I go in the office. First thing I do is I read that list, um, you know, uh, things like, um, making sure I'm listening, making sure I'm being humble, um, making sure that I'm continuing to be passionate and, uh, continuing to learn that that's just a couple of the name. A, a few, but um, I, I think again, when people dial in and they find what they really love and what they they really passionate about, the the, the sky's the limit, and that's that's the message I try to bring every day. Um, whether it's doing a simple ruling or trying to bring two hundred people back to work in this new world that we're living. In. Sure, wow, F- fantastic, man! That's just an amazing answer. And this is someone who knows you also, and just like wow, that's such a great answer. I love it, and. Again, just like every single day, even now, after all this time and all the experience you've had to to still, you know, every single day, go through that same routine and, and be A plus. It's just wonderful. Um, you know, here here at Cards Chat, we call ourselves the friendliest poker podcast in town. Uh, I am wondering, you know, you said that there's so many celebrities, so many big poker name poker names who you've seen and, and developed relationships with. Over the years, who would you say are perhaps some of the main or, or, or best known players or, or, or folks who with, with whom you've developed a very friendly relationship uh, over the years in your, in your various positions in the industry? Hmm. Uh, I'd say one of the biggest names in our industry that um, I definitely developed a great relationship with is, would be Phil Helmuth. Uh-huh. And that that seems like an obvious one because Phil is an ambassador for Aria. So we've worked on a lot of things together. Um, and obviously working with Poker Go and Poker Central with all our work in the studio, um, I, I, I get to meet a, a, a multitude of different people from different walks of life. Um, but yeah, I, I work a lot with a lot of them. And uh, I, I don't want to single anybody out, but I, I, I will say that 99% of the people I, I do run into are just fantastic people. Um, we all know there's there's a different side to people when they're playing the game than when they're away from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to deal with those uh, all the time. I can I can have the greatest conversation with Phil Helmuth, and I'm just going to use him as an example. Um, and then maybe sometimes I need to pull my team and say, hey, Phil, you need to let's let's take a, a breather for a second. And I am, <laughs> I am using Phil as an example, and I know he gets the uh, the the poker brat persona and all that. But actually, he's 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 one of the guys that's actually quite a joy at the table. Mm. He's, he's not someone we have issues with a lot. Um, and I think the majority of time, his his angst and his uh, you know when he gets upset in the game, those are directed at at players and and more so directed at the cards. Like, oh my god, I was. I was 80% to win and I lost again and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But yep, um, yep. 
Yeah, I mean, and and from a celebrity end, uh, I would say some of my favorites to uh, interact with, uh, number, number, number one would be Jennifer Tilly. Absolute nice. joy, absolute um, a class act all the way from start to finish. I've, I've never seen a celebrity that also loves the game that is just a complete class act all the time. She doesn't get upset. She's just, she's just living her life to her fullest at all times. And it's a joy for us in the community to be able to see someone like that, um, be able to enjoy the game the way we love it. And uh, just to name a couple other notables, uh, Kevin Hart is absolutely hilarious when he plays. And uh, a guy like Bruno Mars, he's um, he plays poker a lot at Aria, and he's uh, he's quite a joy. Uh, we haven't seen him lately because we aren't doing concerts in Las sure, Vegas right sure. now. But um, I can't wait to uh, welcome a lot of these people back that uh, I definitely know I've missed and uh, some of my staff has missed. That's really cool. And like those are some massive names, obviously. I- I'm wondering, do you ever get starstruck? I mean, you-, you-, you see them and you have to be all professional and with the suit on and, you know, you're the director and, and-, and you know, running the show. At, and, you know, of course, I get it. These people, they put on their pants the same way we do, but they're, these are, you know, world celebrities, Bruno Mars, Kevin Hart. I mean, do you ever sort of say, holy crap, I'm talking to Bruno Mars and Kevin Hart? Um, and Jennifer Tilly, of course. Also. I think I think it doesn't hit me until uh, I get home and I'm talking to my wife and she's <laughs> asking me how your day was. And I was like, you know, I have some really, really funny stories with all of them. Um, th- th- it seems like I always a fun, a really funny story happens. Um, one funny, real funny story. I've, I've developed a pretty good uh, relationship with Mr. Hart and uh, he comes in the room and uh, he's always like, he always like knows me every time, which is really cool for him. Yeah. I mean, how many uh, hundreds of thousands of people this man must have to engage with on a yearly sure. basis. So to come in and, and, and that just goes to show you that he really does enjoy the game of poker because something um, someone like me is sticking with him and he's such a mega star, but um, I, I, when it comes to Starstruck, I think it's, uh, I won't say that the excitement of seeing these guys has faded, but the actual like nervousness has mm-hmm. faded over time as I have realized that, hey, they play the same game I do. They do put their pants on the same way. They do have the same daily issues that we normal people, you know, and I'm, you guys can't see me, but I'm doing normal in quotes here, air quotes. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they're just. They're, most of them are humble, down-to-earth people, and they're really, really nice people. Regardless of what persona you see them in in movies or television or anything else, those are generally acts that we pay to see. We we pay to see these people in those different personas. But when you really break them down, they're, they're really, really, really nice people. Um, I'll tell a real quick story of the last time Kevin Hart was there, um, and my wife is a, a pretty big fan of his. And he, (laughs) yeah, he's hilarious. Um, But he was in the room and they were getting ready to start their game. And I said, Hey, Kevin, can you do me a favor? I'm going to FaceTime my wife and I'm just going (laughs) to give you, I'm just going to give you the phone. Like she'll think it's me. I, I, I text my wife quickly. I said, Hey, uh, you know, just to make sure she was dressed and appropriate to take a FaceTime. I said, Hey, I'm in the middle of the poker room. Can I FaceTime you real quick? And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. So I just, FaceTime and hand Kevin Hart the phone and her <laughs> face just and he was so cool about it. He goes, Hey Shannon, that's my wife's name. He's like, Hey, uh, hey, I I 
I think I introduced her as Dr. McCormick because I am very I, proud of my wife, being a doctor. Sure. He's like, I think he said like, hey, Doc Mac, what's going on? And oh, my God. She couldn't speak in the moment. She thought like I was playing a video or whatever your brain goes through because you're just not expecting that. And wow. then uh, sure enough, we uh, it, it, we had uh, recently ha- at that time had rescued our we have two dogs right now and. One of my dogs, the one we rescued, he he's all of like 15 pounds and he has this white, he's all black with this white stripe going down. And uh, Kevin Hart says, he goes, do you guys have a skunk in your house? And my wife, we're just all <laughs> laughing. Everybody in the on table one is laughing. And he just, he's just like, how many people do that? How many people say, hey, you know, every minute of my day is locked up doing something. But hey, let me take three minutes to do something just for you. And it was just such a cool moment. And uh, still to this day, my wife will, will just like give me a little slap on the shoulder and say, I can't believe you had Kevin Hart call me like That's that. So cool. so, I'm so happy I asked the question. That's such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Sean. That's, just, that's just phenomenal. Um, well, you know, we talked a lot about Sean, the poker boss. Let's hear very briefly about Sean, the poker player. Of course, uh, and I gotta gotta go through someone's Hendon mob. I see oh God, that. no! Oh God! <laughs> oh, you got. Hey, at least you have. I don't have any Hendon mob results, so that's um, that's my. I gotta fix that. But you've got over ten thousand dollars in caches dating back to two thousand six. So, not gonna ask you about a specific tournament or anything like that. But I'm just wondering how often do you get the chance to play? I mean, you you know you're working really hard all day, and I don't imagine you're allowed to play at the Aria Poker Room or anything. So, you know, tell us a little bit about how you get the get your playing fix in. Is it tournaments, cash, where? I would say here in Las Vegas, I don't get very often to play, and I, I'm being totally honest, and and I'm not. This isn't a negative on. Uh, players here in Las Vegas or people that get to see me uh, out and about. But a lot of times when I like frequent, let's say encore or uh, yes, at my position, I can't actually play for any at any MGM resort properties. I'm not allowed to gamble or play poker or play sports for any of our properties Uh, just because of my position level. Actually, everybody below the director position level can do any type of gaming. Um, So yeah, even, even like a guy like Paul Campbell, he could play anywhere he wants. MJ. He could even play at Aria uh, mm-hmm. if he wanted to, which he has in the past. Um, but um, so I do take my business in Las Vegas to uh, some other uh, local properties or even like a big mega resort. I do play at Encore sometimes. Uh, quick shout out to the Sahara Poker Room and all they're doing. Um, they're a smaller card room, but they make it really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so any place that is fun is where it's I'm going to give my business, but I would say my real joy when I play is when I travel. Um, and, and people think I'm crazy, but um, they're like, I can't believe you go on vacation to go play poker. And I'm like, <laughs> because I still love the game. And the most fun I ever have is when I go to places like uh, run good events, shout out to them real quick. They, what they do is uh, second to none. Um, maybe I, I shouldn't say second to none tied with, the run it up series. So those are my two favorite series to go to. They don't just have, you know, they don't just uh, unleash the schedule of poker events for, you know, 10 to 14 days on top of it. They, they make get togethers happen where um, I go to run good events. And then in between events, like at late at night, when the, you know, the events are shut down where 
we're playing uh, like a game called werewolves or something where, you know, like a bunch of people, just 10 to 15 people, we get together and we, we share a drink, we share stories, but also playing some type of like strategy based games on the side, uh, not for money or anything, but sure. you know, not gambling with the casino, but just making those connections with people are so special to me. So um, when I travel, like I said, to places like Reno for run it up Reno or to a run good event, making those connections, it's, it's, yeah, it's, Icing on the cake if I can cash an event. Um, I actually placed, uh, I actually won an event. It's called a Jack and Jill event. I don't know if that's on my hand and I don't know if they reported that one. Um, but <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is. Okay. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> that was a really fun event where um, you won. I won. I, I uh, went back and forth in the Jack and Jill event. Um, and uh, we, we actually won it together. And, uh, but make it again, making those connections. And, uh, I, I, I don't want to say I, I'm never making those connections to drive business back to Vegas or drive business back to Aria, but it inevitably happens. People come and say, Hey, Sean, it was so great seeing you up in Sacramento or Reno or Tulsa or Florida or wherever. And then they come find me. And I, I'm not saying people are booking trips to come see the poker boss, but when they do <laughs> those, those special connections don't just carry at that place that I went and played, but also carry their way back to Vegas. And I make lifelong lasting uh connections with people and that's that's where my my passion for the game and where my fun is right now it's not necessarily trying to win a world series of poker bracelet or win a couple hundred thousand it's just having fun playing the game that i love and making connections with people that last for hopefully a lifetime love it and and here here's something i got it's something i've been wanting to do like ever since i started playing poker i wanted to call the clock on someone sean so we're going to have one question where I'm going to give you a one minute clock. And I know you're a very big fan of the mixed games. You've mentioned, you know, Archie, you've mentioned, um, what was the other one you mentioned? Oh, oh Drama Ha. Drama Ha, right? I love the mixed games. I, I love them too. Of course, a lot of players out there, they're just straight up Hold'em players. Maybe they'll try PLO. You got one minute, Sean, you're on the clock. Give us your 60 second pitch for why folks who only play Hold'em, maybe PLO, should give mixed games a try. Oh, wow. Um, 60 seconds and go. Um, I would say <laughs> that anytime you get the opportunity to play a, a game that might be a variant off what you're used to playing, uh, it re-energizes and re-engages you back to playing the initial game that brought you that love. So even when I play games like Super Stud 8 or better, or Archie, <laughs> or Dramaha, or Double Board Omaha, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, it still brings me um, back to the game that I fell in love first, which is No Limit Texas Hold'em, to be honest. Um, even though Stud was my first game, my first love was No Limit Texas Hold'em. I thoroughly enjoy coming back to it and uh, playing it after I play some of the mixed games. And, and why not learn something different? Think about playing golf. Yeah, you can be the best driver in the world, but if you can't pitch and you can't putt, you know, you can't call yourself the best player. So there's many games. If you're if you're a great three-point shooter in basketball, if you can't hit a layup or a free throw, you're not a great basketball player. And I'm not <laughs> saying you can't become the greatest no-limit holding player like a Phil Helmuth without being able to play those other games. But man, it's great to put on your resume to say, hey, not only am I in this lane of holdem and in this lane of PLO, but I've branched off and I play games that um that are variants off of these games and I'm perfecting uh, my, 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 my game playing ability in those games. And it strengthens what I do when I come back to playing the two card game. We all grew up and love. 
Love it. A man after my own heart. Love the mixed game. Shout out to all the mixed games and, and mixed game lovers. Uh, well, Sean, we are sort of winding down, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention your podcast. Uh, you co-host the Faded Spade podcast along with Tom Wheaton, good friend of mine as well. Uh, started just about a year ago, summer of 2019, and it's a very unique type of podcast. So maybe you can just briefly you know, tell folks who haven't heard about it yet, what is this podcast about and what made you decide to get involved as a co-host with Tom and maybe what you've enjoyed about doing this podcast? for last year. So um, I think our tagline was the friendliest podcast. So oh we, might have, we might have to change <laughs> that now. I don't know. Or we'll have to, we'll have to arm wrestle or flip a coin for it. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, that Tom reached out to me and I, I, I kudos to Tom. I actually have to give him 99% of the credit for uh, getting the podcast off the ground and all the work he's done with it and his passion for the industry. Tom does not come from poker. Tom, um, Tom is a marketing guy and he was a big corporate marketing guy and, uh, you know, just fell in love with the poker industry and fell in love with the people in poker. And we had a lot of conversations. Obviously, we're a customer of, of Tom's at Aria. Um, we use his uh, RFID cards and I can't I, I'm not just um, trying to puff him up or anything like that, but. For the RFID cards alone, they're the best cards I've ever used. They don't break. They they last the longest. I I actually jokingly told Tom, I think your cards are almost too good because people aren't <laughs> going to keep buying them from you if they don't break. So, um, but Tom was was the forefront of of this podcast and and said, hey, I want to bring along an industry presence and I want it to be you, meaning myself, and I want to I want to I want to tell. I want to tell people's entrepreneurial stories. So we've had the likes of, uh, you know, like Joey Ingram and uh, Jamie Kerstetter, uh, Andrew Nimi, Brad Owen, uh, a lot of different people on there that are, uh, you know, like self-made in our industry. Matt Berkey, people that have have really reached down and said, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. And we do it from a positive light, similar to the positivity you're trying to spread here. We're very similar in the fact that we're not trying to just, you know, like get gotcha questions that just stumble people up. And I know that, you know, like sometimes negativity in news sells, we get it. Um, but there are so many positive things in our industry and we want to make those people shine. We want those people to have their hour to tell their story. And even if it touches one person, we did what we needed to do for that podcast. Even if it's just one viewer and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow in the likes of a Jamie Kerstetter who's um, – she's a lawyer. I mean she's she's uh, she's practiced law now for I don't know how long. I don't want to quote it. but um, and, and she fell in love with poker. She actually moved to Mexico at one point to play online poker when, you know, 2000 uh, – um, you know, 11 happened and we all lost online poker and everything. She was just so passionate about the game. And I hope that someone listened to her story and go, you know what? Even though it's not that exact same time frame, I can I can be passionate like Jamie was. And maybe I can one day be uh, a commentator for the World Series of Poker. I mean, how far has she come? And the work that she's done in the industry proves that it's not because yeah, Jamie's smart and she's ahead of the game on a lot of things, but it's because she was passionate and dug deep and said, hey, this is what I want. 
And this is how I'm going to tell my story that other people can look at her and say, you know what? I can do the same thing. And honestly, I believe in everybody who says they can do it. And it, I, I think in, in my time working in the industry, I've given more people a shot that have been passionate than skillful. And I think mm. that is, I think that is a very, very important message in any industry. Again, I did not go to school for business. I did not go to school for accounting, which those are two huge skill sets, finance and business that I need every day. But you know what? I was so passionate about poker, so passionate about the industry. I learned the other stuff after the fact. I started looking at P&Ls and figuring out how to reduce labor and and give people the best experience with comps and all. Those are all after the fact. People are like, oh, man, you must be really good at numbers and stuff like that. Yeah, I went to school for engineering, so I'm good at numbers, but I'm not good at finance. I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't do Excel sheets and all that, but I learned it because I knew I needed it. And that's right. all you need. If you have the passion, the knowledge will come. Right. And that that joy that uh, I don't know what the French phrase, I think is I don't know exactly what it's called, but that 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 um, love for life, love for what you do. It's coming out in every single word you're saying. And, you know, what I also love, like I said, you and I are kind of like of the same heart, of the same mind. And you couldn't possibly have known this, but you kind of like give a little sneak preview. Jamie is going to be one of our guests on the next episode or two here at the Cards Chat. Um, so, uh, well, you know, we, our time is running short, but, uh, we got to give you one last question, Tom, you know, it's uh summer 2020, uh, Tom, I called you Tom. I meant Sean, um, summer 2020, we're obviously in a very unique time as far as live poker is concerned. Um, certainly something that, you know, with all of your experience, this is something new. Um, what has this sort of this COVID era, I guess, call it. Uh, what has that been like for you with the uh, poker room and Aria? It closed, now it's reopened, and we really don't know. There's sort of a little bit of uh, uncertain footing uh, looking ahead. Maybe just sort of clue us in a little bit to what that's like. So obviously with with uh, with this global pandemic that we're going through, there have been a lot of challenges, especially in industries where uh, close contact and uh, you know communal touching of certain items like chips and cards and um, you know, everything, every other device that, that dealers touch, it, it, it's been challenging. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I work for a company that not only is doing what the, the state governments and the recommendations from our health districts are recommended, but we're going above and beyond, um, you know, when it comes to uh, putting plexiglass at the table, making people feel uh, a little bit safer, requiring masks. Uh, uh, that that is now the law in the state now. But we, you are required masks everywhere. But my company was doing these moves before the government actually said these are are, are forced um, uh, protocols. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's been challenging because you have people every day that whether it's staff and I I, I have to say of course I'm concerned for my player safety, but my number one customer, and this will always be the case. And uh, this goes for not just during the COVID era, but for any time you run your business, uh, you know, back in the back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, even used to hear this term, the customer's always right. The customer's always right. And I'm not saying the customer isn't right a lot of the time, but our first customers that we should be starting with now are our staff. If mm-hmm. your staff is treated at the level of your customer or even more, and you make sure that they are happy, then your customers see that and they become returning customers. 
because a happy uh, happy employee going to work makes sure that the customer is happy because I can't be everywhere. You know, I tell people right. all the time, your your poker room directors, your poker room managers, people think that they are the most important thing in a poker room. And I 1000% disagree with that. Your most important people in your poker room are the people that are front facing seeing your guests at all time. Your poker dealers, your poker chip runners, your brushes, your poker supervisors, they are 100% the most important cog in a poker room at all times that make sure that the things, the, the operations run smooth. Your poker room managers and directors, yes, the captain's chair is important, but I'm making sure the lights stay on. I'm making sure that the customers are happy coming back and we're, you know, taking their um, concerns and uh, comments into uh, making sure that they know that those are important. And also, again, that goes with the staff. So in the COVID era, I just tell people, yeah, um, we need to move forward. We need to start reopening businesses, We, but we need to do it safely. And we need to make sure that we're taking in the thoughts and opinions of your staff to make sure that they're okay with returning to work. And and and, and I know this is this is a very, very complex situation um, sure. because, you know, we're in a juggling act here where some people don't want to return to work, but they know they need to return to work to provide for their family. So right. just just be sympathetic, lend an ear and 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 try to realize that we are all in this together. And even if we have polarizingly different opinions of how to handle this, we know that we have to attempt to work together for uh, the foreseeable future until we have the means to fight COVID at a, at a stronger rate, whether that's vaccines or better contact tracing or whatever these um, you know, these very smart doctors and epidemiologists come up with, we have to, while we're in this holding pattern, we have to be kind and we have to be courteous to one another. And again, that starts with the people that are working for you, making sure that they come in and they feel safe and they feel comfortable um, and that we're mitigating. That's a big word I keep using with my staff and with my customers. You know, I tell people all the time, pull your masks up because I want to mitigate the risk of you getting sick, myself getting sick. And my staff getting sick, so just uh -huh. just take a take a take a little bit back. Uh, I don't want to say a back seat, but just take a little bit slower approach to what's going on, and be sympathetic to um, all the different people that come from all different avenues of life, because um, you don't know what someone's going through on a daily basis. So just just slow down a bit and just have some understanding. Make your heart a little bit bigger today, because it's more important now than it's ever been in my forty-one years on this planet. Um, to make sure that we're just just caring about the people that we see every day. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm going to finish that question by just saying kudos to MGM Resorts, kudos to Aria for doing, uh, going above and beyond, making sure people feel comfortable, making sure people feel safe, and making sure we're mitigating the risk. Life is full of risk, but making sure we mitigate that risk to a point where people feel safe to a start to return. And making also sure that we're we're telling people that aren't comfortable that it's okay right now. When you're comfortable, we will not only be there waiting for you, but we will be ready for you with the safest protocols that we can uh, instill at that moment in time because that changes every day. Whatever yeah. we're doing today, tomorrow we're trying to make it even safer for you. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I not going to go on what you said, you know, but uh, – Let's I, just, I love. I love let's what you said about making hands. your heart bigger. I think that's that's. I think the key making yeah, your heart bigger. It's all hold uh, hands virtually, you know, because we're not actually <laughs> holding hands together right. Uh, right now. But let's just 
you know, uh, open up your heart, open up your mind to uh, different ways of thinking. Um, you know, the, the way I thought in February is vastly different the way I think in July. Um, and I think that should go for most people. And uh, we will we will work on the people that that don't want to do that. Um, I don't want to say, and just sort of like in poker, the more information you have, the more you alter and you got to, you know, roll with those punches and change gears. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. I I like the metaphor. I use it a lot, lot, you know, so uh, I think that's certainly something we've got to be doing. Um, But, uh, you know, what what I, what I love, you know, this entire interview, like you said, you just, you know, Sean McCormick is a guy who's just putting the focus on others, on his team, on his other people. He's giving shout outs to everybody. I just, I'm just so happy that for the last hour or so, we've gotten a chance to put the spotlight on Sean McCormick. And I think it's awesome. It's, and I've learned a lot about you, and I've really enjoyed uh, you know, getting to know you better. Uh, Sean, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to, to share with the uh, Cards Chat community? Uh, you know, just, uh, just be kind. Human kindness right now is the, the biggest thing I can talk about. Um, you know, poker is is a uh, is a game for us that uh, is 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 very important, very passionate. We're all very passionate about. Um, and uh, yes, the 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 root of our game is to try to collect information and more importantly, try to prosper and make money off of. But in the root of uh, you know, in the I, I should say, in the avenue towards success, you don't need to bring people down to raise yourself up. And I think that goes for a lot of different industries. You don't need to push people down to jump to the next level, to move on. I'll tell you, if there's some kid out there right now um, that says, hey, I want to be the director of poker operations at ARIA one day, if they come to me, if they reach out to me, whether that person's working for me now or just someone on the street that's passionate, I will tell them how to get to that job. I am not afraid of someone taking my job because, you know, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, if I'm passionate, I know that I'm still going to be in this position moving the industry forward. But trust me, I want to bring people with me. It is my responsibility if I'm, you know, the, the, a great saying, if, if I was so fortunate to ride the elevator to the top, it is my responsibility to press the number one button and send that elevator down for the next person that wants to reach the top with me. Wow. I love it. I love it. And I guess uh, we'll end there. I want to thank you again so much, Sean McCormick. Thank you, everybody here for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. Uh, Sean, you can follow him on Twitter at The Poker Boss. And you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Card Player Life. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening and have a wonderful day. So one of the things we want to do here on Cards Chat is get questions from you guys, our Cards Chat community. And there's a dedicated thread in the forums that I believe Debbie has put together. Thank you so much, Debbie. And we've got our first two questions uh, from uh, Nabmom and from Phoenix Wright. Uh, And those questions are going to be for each of our guests each week. So we're going to kick off this segment. Uh, Sean, you ready? You ready to answer the questions from the community? Let's go. Awesome. Uh, so Nabmom uh, asks, what is involved in getting the Aria Poker Room open back up during this pandemic? Specifically, how will they be setting up poker games? That's a really good question. Um, actually, uh, so the state obviously has guidelines for all the gaming establishments of what the minimum ask, the minimum requirements were to uh, reopen each of the properties. And that's 
I, th- I think that's why a lot of properties you're seeing already, I mean, in, um, we're into July already, and I think maybe 50% of the properties are already open. Um, others are waiting for more guidance, more guidelines, and obviously for this uh, pandemic thing to, to die down a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, we started by opening Bellagio and we did it as safe as possible under the, the state guidelines. And then we made it even better when we got to Aria. And that's our our plan moving forward as we continue to open our MGM Resorts uh, family properties. We're, we're going to take the information we received from not only the state and just learning on the fly, which we're doing right now, but also um, from the previous properties we've already opened. We're going to take the best things about them. And we're also going to learn from any of the mistakes we've made. But I'm very proud to say that I work for a company that's not doing the bare minimum. Um, the state now requires, they say, five players max at the tables with uh, with mask wearing. Um, or you have the option of going six-handed with plexiglass. And MGM Resorts has decided that all the properties, especially in the poker room, will have plexiglass dividers, not only between the players, but between the players and the dealer to make sure that our staff is remaining safe. So when you come into Aria, um, yes, of course, like I've said in the past, uh, life is full of risk, uh, inherent risk stepping outside your door. But we're going to make sure at Aria that we mitigate that risk as much as possible on our guests and on our staff. So we have, uh, like I said, taken the state guidelines for safety, and we've gone over and above that. You know, if they're saying change the cards X, we're doing it even more. If they're saying clean them you know, this frequently, we're doing it even more. We're making sure that every chip, every card, everything that's reintroduced back into play um, is is clean and safe as possible um, and, and making sure that the, the plexi stay clean and then making sure that the, the players keep their masks on. So while we go through this, this, I don't really want to say transition, but this new world we're living in while we're all waiting for um, uh, COVID to be not only just flattened, but also to we're, as we're waiting for vaccines and help from uh, epidemiologists in the medical field, we're making sure you're as safe as we possibly can make you feel safe while you have a great gaming experience. Fantastic. The going, going that extra mile, something like we talked about in our in the interview segment. And uh, just uh, once again, uh, obvious here. Thank you so much, Sean. And thank you, Nabmom, for answering, uh, for asking that question. Uh, our second question from the community comes from Phoenix Wright. Uh, who says as follows, um, and this is an interesting one. I've personally, they're all interesting questions, but uh, I've personally held several management positions, but I'm completely new to the realm of poker. And here's the interesting part, never been inside a real casino before. So that's fascinating. How would you say, Sean, that management of a poker room differs from a traditional management position, I'd imagine, I'd imagine the similarities far outweigh the differences, but at least you have an interesting subject in poker and day-to-day operations. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely, um, <laughs> that's actually a really awesome question. Right? Um, yeah, it's going to take, <laughs> let me think about that just a half a second, but um, I will say this, I, I as well have held many management uh, positions in my career moving up and nothing is is ever similar to poker. I was a manager for uh, a division of Home Depot at one point. I was a, a manager of uh, going through college. I was a manager for an arcade um, chain, which was really fun and cool. Um, but I would say with poker, the, the biggest defining difference is that you really have to be passionate about poker to survive in management in poker. Um, you know, I, I fully expect when I walk into 
you know, a home improvement store like a Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, um, that the manager I'm speaking with might not be just like, you know, uh, you know, Tim, the two man Taylor from the old <laughs> show there. I, I, I don't fully expect that he might be as super passionate about home improvement. That's just that's and I'm not saying he's not passionate about his job. It's just it's very different in other realms. I don't expect the uh, grocery store manager to be like, oh, yeah, Frosted Flakes. I recommend it. You know, it's just different. It's just very different. So in in the world of poker or in the world of gaming, uh, you know, as a whole, I would say that your biggest differences is you have to, one, be passionate about the game that you're a manager of. And two, you have to be a, a, a person of the people. And, and And I know that sounds really cliche, but we are in the guest experience business. Uh, I tell my people this all the time. We are not in the poker business, especially at a room like Aria. Um, when people come through the door, we're generally not teaching them how to play poker, but we will. I have, and I, I do love that experience. But uh, I tell people all the time, it's not. We're not in the poker business, which usually raises some eyebrows. I tell people all the time, we're in the guest experience and guest service business because that is what uh, people is our business. The, the people is the business that we go in every day. It is who we. Uh, engage on a daily basis, uh, regardless of all the work we do behind the scenes and finance and advertising, all this stuff, it all boils down to bringing that great guest, uh, guest experience. So if you buy into the people that you serve, you can, the sky is the limit with, with uh, poker and being a manager. And don't worry about not coming into a regular live casino just yet. I promise you within 30 seconds of you stepping into your first poker room, you will know the direction you want to take, whether you say, hey, man, this is it for me. This is I love this. Or you're going to know right away and say, hey, this is not for me. And both those choices are okay. And people need to realize that with every choice in life, it's okay to feel gung ho about something and then be put in it. And and it, it, it maybe not. It's not your dream. Just like I told you guys earlier, I talked about how I went to school for computer engineering. And then, you know, I was totally dialed in. And then I sat in a cubicle and I was writing programs and I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> so you find your love and passion when you start doing it. So don't worry about not actually stepping foot in a casino. You will know just, just if you ever really want to throw yourself into it, um, get on board when we get back to our sense of normalcy. Join a, an event tour like the World Series of Poker or the World Poker Tour during the thick of it, because that's when most of us really realize if this is the business for us or not. So hop on in. There's the, the, the water's warm, as we say in poker. <laughs> Come on in and uh, you'll be welcome with open arms. We're always looking for people that are, are engaged and dialed in and, and have a love for the game and a passion for people. Excellent. Great, great answer. And Phoenix, I hope that uh, Sean uh, answered your question. And of course, you know, the ARIA is always open, even when it's not a World Series or the World Poker Tour uh, going on. Um, Sean, thank you very much for answering our community questions from the Cards Chat community. And to all of our listeners, again, just a reminder, if you've got questions for our guests, be sure to ask them on the dedicated thread in the Cards Chat forum. Uh, thanks again so much, Sean. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.